0: to episode number 334 of Destination Linux, your favorite video podcast. My name is Jill.
1: I'm Ryan. And I'm Michael.
0: In this week's episode, we discuss making open source illegal. What? 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 We're not making this up. There are people who are pushing for this very thing. Then we're going to give you some upbeat news about Zorin OS to make up for the first topic. Also, we have some feedback on telemetry. Plus, we have our tips, tricks, and software picks, all this coming up. Let's get on the road towards Destination Linux.
1: In our community feedback this week, we got a message from Steven. Hi, he says, Steven. I think we should all say hi at the same time. Sorry, continue, that's Michael. No, that's not awkward. <laughs> hi, Steve. Come on, people. Three, uh. two. One. Hi, Hi, Stephen.
2: There we go. I like, you got to see the video version for the full effect.
1: Yeah, that was, yeah, that was so well polished and not awkward in any way. So Stephen says, (laughs) he says, hi, just listening to you talking in Destination Linux episode 333 about telemetry on Linux and OS market share. As far as I know, the market share data is collected from web telemetry, such as user agents and the like. You advocate for telemetry on the desktop to improve the telemetry, and this would certainly increase the Linux market share a bit, but I think the numbers would be less meaningful than the web data. From my university days, I know many people who were or are using Linux within VMs or dual booting Linux whenever they need to work on an operating system class homework. In tech forums, I often read where people are using Linux VMs for certain tasks or trying out some other distros. So I believe there would there might be a sizable number of occasional linux users who genuinely stay on other systems. Well, here's the thing, like it's an interesting thought.
2: Like can we get the data we want from a website traffic? But then the question pops in my head of like what website? And then if we're getting all of our data from website tracking, Mm-hmm. Then what's the difference of allowing, like, say, Ubuntu or Fedora to actually have access to that same data to know the same data that we're apparently willing to freely give in a web browser from its actual user base? And so I'm. What what is the single website we all would go to to capture our records? Number one would be my question there, because yes. otherwise you're going to have a bunch of different websites who are collecting this data for whatever purposes they have and i as a linux user may not go to that site and that's why that's not really a
1: reliable way well to there kind is of count a website service and system that does have the data and has basically every data for every website and that is called google analytics and okay. they will not tell anyone anything
0: Exactly. <laughs> yeah, very
1: true. Uh, Google
2: would probably be one of the main ones there, but you know, a lot of Linux people wouldn't use Google. They'd use DuckDuckGo. Like no, I'm saying boss. Google Analytics
1: is on almost every website. Not every yeah. website, but almost every website. So it's if true. you go to a website that has, like if you go to any of the news websites for Linux, Google Analytics, it's on there. So it is being tracked. So Google has that data. But the problem is that Google will not share that data based on, well, their track record of never doing that. So I do think it's interesting as a point of saying that web traffic is where this, because this is where the data is coming from. It was from statcounter.com and, or .net, I'm not sure. And they said that they are a 1.5 million website network. They don't say what websites are a part of the network or how that is calculated at all. But it is an interesting data set that I think is valuable in the terms of, that's a pretty large data set. However, there are also like billions of websites or trillions of websites. So in the grand scheme of things, you're missing a lot of users. There. Yeah, there's a ton. It's like that we using don't know Steam. Yeah.
2: Steam's really popular. They pull distro information, but we don't assume that every single person in Linux utilizes Steam. So therefore, I don't assume that there's only you know three percent of entire people in, using operating systems that only use right. Linux in there. That's just yeah. what Steam has. So I still think there's. It's an interesting point. I think it is the best data we have, for what Stephen's saying. But I do think we need something additional if it's done well. The the key thing people were missing somehow in the Fedora discussion was the fact that they're working with the community to figure out, is there a way to do this ethically? And they are putting every stopgap in place to make sure throughout the entire process that the community is involved. They're hearing people's voices, that they're not collecting anything they shouldn't, that they're open sourcing every piece of it. Like they're doing what we would want somebody to do if they were going down this road. So to me, it's like, let's encourage that because they're not the only company that's going to be now interested in Linux. And if Fedora can create a really ethical way of doing this right, then that's what I want them to adopt. But website traffic, the other thing is ad blockers, VPNs, other things. Like, especially a lot of people in Linux are very attuned to their security and
1: privacy. They're not going to get picked up in those stats. Yeah, And so those are the things that I just think... There's even w- like anonymizer extensions where it yeah. makes, makes a Linux user look like a Windows user. And there's people yeah. who are using that, promoting that and that sort of thing. So I think that it's, it's still good data to have as far as like having telemetry can help promote the platform and having it on the OS level. I understand why people would be concerned about that, but there are ways to do it. Even if like, this is the most important piece. A lot of people are talking about how it's a slippery slope and all that sort of stuff. True. And that's true for literally everything. That mm-hmm. means you should never do anything and never leave your house. There's always something that going could go wrong. Going
2: outside is a slippery slope.
1: Exactly. First you <laughs> go to the store to get groceries. Next thing you know, you're It reminds going me of that, uh, a there's a Lonely <laughs> Island song about, um, I forgot what the, it's like an, it's basically the, uh, the acronym YOLO. And instead of uh, you live only once, they're saying, they basically say the exact opposite and you should never take any risk whatsoever. So it's you ought to look out. Yeah. And oh, yeah, okay. it's pretty it's, good. It's, a, it's <laughs> pretty good. Song. It's a pretty good song scary and how ridiculous
2: it is. Yeah. It's a slippery slope.
1: Yes. <laughs> the thing I, I, think I think about as far as the OS level telemetry is that the part that I want to happen doesn't have to be a lot. It could be literally just a machine ID and nothing else. If that was collected, that would be useful enough to say how many users of Linux we have. Yeah, and if you wanted to say, I will submit that information and nothing else, I think that's totally fine. It's just the idea of like no telemetry whatsoever and there is never a time where it's okay. That part, I think, is Arguably detrimental. Well, in fairness, to Linux. I hate
2: telemetry. Like it's been a battle to get rid of what the corporations have done with telemetry. Oh, I agree. Sucking too. Yeah. every piece of information out. So I want people to be clear like we are not for telemetry. I could speak for no. myself and say I'm hundred percent not for it. And I spend way too much time figuring out how to get around it. With that said, I think there is use to some data out there that could be useful to companies that could help Linux actually. Yeah you know, show its size and things that GPUs I think are being used. You can yeah. do it ethically in Fedora's you know, discussion, because it wasn't like they've implemented anything. Fedora's discussion on it is a way to try to figure out, is it possible that we can do this in a really ethical manner? And I support that. I don't think the website situation is enough. It just misses too many. And I think VMs should be counted, by the way. Yeah, you know, Mac OS doesn't go around and go, hey, you know, you primarily are a Windows user, so we're not gonna capture your number as an Apple user. We're just gonna capture you as a Windows user over there. If you use Mac 1% of the time in your home, and you boot that up, they're counting you as a user Mm -hmm. of Mac. and, And the same thing with Linux. Like, yes, somebody may install it. They may boot it up. They may use it for a little bit. They may not, they go back to Windows and they start using it. I still think that Linux instance that was installed counts as a user and they're
1: also they they are still using it so they're a user right no matter how much time they're using it they're still a user and most importantly there are people who use it for a particular purpose because they also have other purposes that they need windows for and can't get away from them so they have to do a dual boot situation and if there is and my perspective is if linux was seen as a bigger platform or actually the size it really is then there would be more software being made for linux and possibly the reasons why they couldn't move in the first place would be eliminated and then they would move yeah because Mm -hmm. a lot of the time it's just access to applications and we get so Better true,
0: remember. and and the other thing is, there's so many Linux users out out there running headless systems. Even I have one running in my house. <laughs>
1: well, we didn't Shocking. that. Jill. <laughs> Jill has a headless. system. We have a thousand computers.
2: I assume a few of them yeah. are headless. In there. Speaking
1: of that, Stephen also goes on to say that secondly, OS level telemetry could count individuals multiple times. Jill would probably count as a thousand users. <laughs> yeah, she so should. it's more an upper bound to the to the number of users. I think they should, because if you are using a system multiple times, then that system is valuable. It's not like one individual person only has one computer. There are people who don't use anything but their phones, but have multiple phones, because some applications are available on one, uh, uh, like iOS, and one on Android, and that sort of thing. And the same thing can be applied to Windows and Linux and Mac yeah, and i promise
2: you apple yeah. is not sitting there going well we're going to deduplicate our data they have four
1: apple computers in the house <laughs> yeah. but we're only going to count it as one user no they're they're counting in all fact, four in, and based on apple how apple works with the apple id system they know how many devices you have and they know yeah if you are duplicate a person and they're still counting it
0: because <laughs> they the use good telemetry <laughs> exactly
1: yeah
2: but I, I like the way you're thinking I think people's hearts are in the right place here yeah. I really do like people yeah. are scared of this because they don't want Linux to be turned into the garbage that, that everything yeah. else is right and, and so it's' we're, our hearts are in the right place but we also want to try to you know make Linux continue to grow in popularity and can you and that's a question can you do it in a way that's ethical? I'm really interested to see what Fedora and the community, because uh-huh. they're working very close with the community, can come up with there. And I think there is ways that you can do it ethically. And then those ways that it's done ethically, if it can still gather information that's useful, then it could be used as the guideline for how anybody who wants telemetry in Linux needs to follow. And any company that doesn't use it, yes, that's when that we get our pitchforks and our torches out, and we go yell and scream at them and and call them dummies and all that stuff, and we win. And so that's how
1: I look at all this. I like that, especially the whole yelling and screaming at somebody who deserves yeah. it.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's oh. <laughs> <But laughs> the fun the, part.
1: The, I, I saw a comment about how people left Windows because of the telemetry, and I do completely understand yeah. why you would do that. I left before they added telemetry, <laughs> and yeah. even then they were doing horrible stuff. But my point here is, the reason I brought that up, is that just because Microsoft... Did telemetry um, improperly doesn't mean that you can't be done properly yep
0: absolutely
1: well said this episode of destination linux is sponsored by linbit linbit has been keeping digital businesses running for over 20 years they're the makers of open source products like drbd which is high availability software that has been part of the linux kernel since 2010 and linstore industry-leading open source software-defined storage LinBit has an active presence in the open source community and they collaborate with the community to help identify and build new features. LinBit provides enterprise-grade software that runs on a variety of platforms and OSs without vendor lock-in. What that means is, is that you could choose the software on any platform, including specific hardware, that you want to use or just off the shelf hardware that you get and connect it you all of this stuff can be interchanged really easily and with drbd and LinStore, you can have high speed replicated block storage in almost any configuration whether it's kubernetes apache cloud or open nebula there's even drbd proxy for long distance replication linbit is run by its founders to this day and all of its engineers and developers are in-house with offices in europe and north america which allows them to have global 24-7 support to complement their enterprise offerings. Visit linbit.com to learn more about the people behind Linbit and the awesome software for block storage, duplication, and more.
2: So Jill kind of gave us this really good opener of, are we going to make open source illegal? And no, this isn't clickbait. (laughs) I mean, I guess it could be kind of clickbaity, but it's actually true. It's not clickbaiting that we actually have people who are trying to make the case that open source should be completely illegal and not be in the general population's hands when it comes specifically to AI and open source.
1: Mm-hmm. So, And instead, shockingly, it's politicians who don't know anything about technology.
2: True, very true. That's usually <laughs> typically what
1: happens. This topic is really growing steam because there
2: are a lot of institutions out there that are looking into this matter of what regulation should we have what guardrails should we have when it comes to AI? And open source has become a big part of this topic. So, before we get into any further, I kind of want to talk about just real quick like, what makes open source so amazing? Like, why is this something that we need to keep around? Most of the people in our audience know this. We have a lot of new listeners as well. To me, one of the biggest things is closing the digital divide. Now, the digital divide says that, hey, this budding artist, this amazing kid with all this incredible talent may not have the financial resources to go pay for all these licenses for all of these tools like Adobe tools or other things to be able to create the stuff or these music studio tools to be able to create music and all of these things. And open source, being that a lot of the software is freely available to people, allows that digital divide to be closed. And now that person who wants to be an artist actually has access to tools, professional tools that will allow them to pursue their dreams and goals versus just somebody who has money being able to do that and everybody else being left in the dust. And then on top of that, you've got the community aspect of it. I mean, that's a big part of the show, how it grew from very small community to a very large community. was all because of the amazing community, people coming in and really supporting us. Even my YouTube channel was a you know, testament to the community because I never planned to stick with Linux. Like I was going to go back to Windows, but I made these Linux videos and you all wouldn't leave me alone. So Aww. here
1: I am and I couldn't leave. In just, a good way. They wouldn't leave that yeah. alone yes. in a good way. Yes, they were all <laughs> very nice and, then, and kind. And then you know, he like, joined Destination Linux as a host and then I did and we met on this show. Yeah. So this is true. kind of crazy. And actually I think Jill met us from the show too.
0: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yep.
1: So this 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 whole community thing is <laughs> it's, much greater like than just proof. Like yeah, it, it happens all the time in a variety of ways, and then sometimes you make a podcast from it. <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly,
1: <laughs> and it made software fun again. Open source makes software fun because
2: you can tweak it, you can hack it, and you don't have all these limitations with licenses. Every time I work on friends' computers and things, and some software is not working, and I'm like oh, well, you need to re-register this thing and you go through this process and then they're like, oh, I lost my license key and then they've got to potentially rebuy it. It's just so annoying and I just I'm so thankful for Linux during those times because I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't have to mess with all these obnoxious license keys that rarely work anyways except to annoy the people who aren't trying to steal it. That's the only people that suffer from it. So, but the creativity to go in there and modify the software any way you want. And then the free mentorship, like you are dealing with some of the greatest software developers in the industry, people who work in some of the biggest companies who also donate their time to create open source software. You have the ability to just go out there and just chat with, like we bring them on the show. I remember when we were starting this podcast, that would like freak me out that we get to talk to some of these people that I looked at as heroes that were creating some of the software distros. And we were just talking to them on the show. I mean, how difficult as a small podcast at that time would that have been? Now we get to get big names like Shuttleworth on, which is really awesome. But, you know, just the ability
1: to talk to those people is amazing go check out the latest episode that we just released on the channel, the interview we did with Mark Shuttleworth about Canonical and Ubuntu, because if you don't know, he was the creator and founder of both. Yeah, very cool stuff. And Michael's created a lot of awesome
2: shorts out there as well to get yeah. a bunch of new people into Linux and interested because it was really we even story. put it on TikTok. Yes, yeah. we did. No, no we, he did, just didn't we? Oh, yes, we did. We started a new. Yes, we did. I created a TikTok account. Okay, that account. was against any. I n- had nothing to do with that before. <laughs> My name
1: is Ryan, by the way, because you all yell at me for everything. That was Michael who put it we on. We got TikTok. a comment on the TikTok post that said, Hey, I've been learning about Linux recently, and I'm glad that TikTok knows it and showed me this. So oh, there you wonderful. go. Look at that. All right,
2: we're using his recruitment platform. So obviously, with all this good news, it's time to to make this thing illegal. Because there's too much of a good thing. Exactly. We've got to ban it. Because
1: we joined TikTok and it's time to make it
2: illegal. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) That one I might agree with there a little bit. Um, But the the general idea here, again, AI is too dangerous for the general population. Open source would give everyone access to AI potentially, right? People out there would start programming. Well, they already are writing programs. PyTorch, all these things that have AI Implementations in them. That's too dangerous to be in an open source world where those guardrails that are put in place, by the way, could be removed. They could be edited. They could be adjusted. And then what happens? So, the thought process I think here, if I'm following along, is if we ban open source, we'll all be safer because then just a few mega corporations and governments will have access to it. And they've Always been trustworthy.
0: Yes, <laughs>
1: there has never been a time where that has backfired.
0: Yeah. That's
2: a really hard argument to go against. Like, man, all
1: these companies are so good and the government cares about me. So sure. And they would never like do anything against you, like track you or nothing. Never. <laughs> exactly.
0: Talking about telemetry. <laughs> uh, Bad telemetry. So,
1: with that said. <laughs> There are some concerns that I think are valid because the AI stuff that is being made is like, it's sketchy. And I think that it is very interesting, very powerful. There's the things that are talking about how jobs are going to be removed. For people who are not willing to learn how to use these tools, those people are the ones who are going to suffer from being left behind and that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah.
2: Well, and I, I think th- there's I think there's a little bit of truth to that, but I think there's also some truth to the other side that some jobs could be replaced with AI. Oh, sure. In the future, but I'm, I'm the just current being- iterations of AI are not all they've been hyped up to. There's yeah. a lot of industry company hype going on. You know, NVIDIA is now worth a trillion dollars because of AI and all this stuff. And then you use ChatGPT and ask it to, you know, summarize an article and it gets it all wrong. Like, I'm not exactly sold on this idea that this is going to replace everybody's job. I, think I, mean, it's I don't kind of think like it's the it. I think yeah. it's just
1: a tool but uh, that's yeah. a good point about the internet it is basically the same thing said it was said about the internet and I, I think that you could argue that there are definitely pockets of the internet that are horrible and the AI thing could also be something like that where there's pockets of it that are horrible but how dangerous is that I don't know and I think it's un- it's reasonable for people to have a discussion about potential issues and the regulations about it that may or may not need to exist or that sort of thing. I don't think it's irrational or just insane that people are talking about the idea of the AI stuff needing to be discussed. I think it's insane that they're trying to attach the open source part of it to it as if somehow the open source concept is dangerous. Yeah, oh, the
2: companies yeah. close source it, they're good. They'll use it in all trustworthy manners. So yeah, if you put it exactly. in the public's hands, that's bad because we would have something like Linux where it's free to use for everybody and everyone can enjoy it, and that would be terrible. So what are we talking about specifically, though, here? A few examples. European Union has been working on the AI Act, which would ban API access to generative AI models, would also sanction open source developers and software distributors like GitHub if unlicensed models became available. So the general idea here is that you would need to be licensed by the government first before you could open source this stuff or give it away freely, which we know that would be something that would cost a lot of money. And... Addition additionally a lot of people. Twenty bucks
1: would, a year is what yeah. I think is or oh twenty million. I see. Never mind.
2: Well, it includes fines of <laughs> twenty million dollars for people yeah. who break it. So I mean, are you willing to put your entire livelihood at risk? Well, it's monopoly money, that's euros. So I'm not sure how much that actually is in freedom dollars, but Yeah, yeah, freedom units. Freedom units. Yeah. <laughs> but we're joking, by the way. Um but I I think that that's going to keep a lot of people from just open sourcing it all together. That's going to put a lot of restrictions. GitHub's going to have to be put in place for people who don't know it and put stuff up there anyways. It's just this creates all kinds of problems, but they're not alone. The US government is looking into rules and regulations around AI and safeguards as well. And additional regulations are under consideration such as one proposed change from the Council of EU to specifically regulate open source general purpose AI creating legal liability for open source models out there. So people will be sued and their work destroyed and things like that. And yeah, this is a really interesting time here for AI and open source. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, this is something that um, I think is a very good uh, option for at least for now, as we're, you know, Growing into the world of AI is that there is actually an open letter which has received a lot of support from famous names in tech and it's calling for a more moratorium on AI development for six months. And the letter is signed by 1,125 people, including Elon Musk and Apple's co-founder, Steve Wozniak, or the Woz.
1: We love him. Well, them. if Elon signed it, then obviously, <laughs> yeah. well, we care. He put an X on I, I, it. I, I he, care. Yeah, be- <laughs> he, he, he put his X on it.
0: <laughs> I care because Woz signed it.
2: <laughs> so, yeah.
0: So,
1: I like Steve Wozniak. Yeah. Yeah, the well, Woz, <laughs> but, sure. I, I, I'll give that one. But it's, it's just funny that the, the, the comments about it on the article was like, Elon said it. And it's like, yeah, yeah but I also Elon Says a stuff. lot
0: of
1: crazy stuff. But
2: see, this is where <laughs> this is where I kind of have a problem, though. Like, I, I I get the idea of putting a pause on it, but then if the EU and US put a pause on it, do we really buy the fact that the government's not continuing full bore in their research, that the corporations aren't continuing full bore in the research, and the only thing that's really getting a pause is our ability to know what they're working on until it's too late. Yeah. Like they're not gonna stop because China or other countries Mm -hmm. out there are not gonna be disinterested in AI either. They're very interested in that. They're gonna keep working on it. So we're gonna be what? The only two countries that are like, Oh, we'll all just stop our AI research. I think Brian, you're forgetting
1: you're forgetting a very important piece of Team America World Police. there you go a world police will take care of that situation for (laughs) sure i
0: do think though actually putting a, a a pause on it only for only so we can get those guardrails in place or a better framework like we have been talking about here on destination linux over the the past few months how you know like even nvidia is making you know working on a um uh, Guardrail rail framework. Whoa, whoa, chill, chill,
1: chill. Nvidia <laughs> wants to make those open source, which with these these laws would destroy those fra- yeah. those guardrails because, of course, open source would never be used for good. Yes, never. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but just yeah. just like a think tank to to think about it, and I really think right now is a really good time for the Linux Foundation to kind of step up and really start. You know, working on this, they they started a consortium um, of different companies to start talking about, about AI. But I think that would be a really good company to start to really work if, on if, this. If we had a, <laughs> a
1: collective of trying to work on creating the guardrails and the, that's and the frameworks and the securities around the idea of AI, I think that would be great. And there are companies already doing that. Yeah, and I think it's kind of ridiculous these these are trying to be made to block those sorts of things. In fact, they should make it where those are more important and give funding to those things so that those things happen faster because Absolutely. the AI is not going to stop, right? Yeah. The people who've don't... started doing it, thats it's not going back. Like the genie's out of the bottle, right? So, Yeah. It, 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 the best we can do is try to secure and put the guardrails up as fast as possible and... That should be the focus, and I think I think that holding it back,
0: right. yeah.
1: is is understandable concern because how far will it go and how far could it be taken is also something that is arguably worrisome. Mm-hmm. But also, we wouldn't know unless we did it in the first place. So it's more of like it's just it's a fear mongering sort of thing. So part of me completely understands why that open letter was made and completely understands why the reg- the politicians are afraid of this. And then the other part of me just is hopeful. So I guess I'm don't a little even know torn. How a computer works. They don't. Understand. They don't even know how social media works. that, yeah.
0: <laughs> that is very true. In we're a talking lot of cases.
2: about AI here, and I have no doubt they have no clue how any of this stuff works. Yeah. And so
1: I have you know, no doubt about that for sure. I have no idea how it works. So they definitely don't.
2: <laughs> I like to do my homework for every show. And so for this show, I was like, what could I study this week to be prepared to discuss this topic and and really be like one of the key insightful hosts on this topic? And so I chose Terminator 2 and I watched (laughs) Terminator 2 again this weekend and I really did. And first of
1: all, I have to say Terminator 2 still holds up. Perfectly, it does. Uh, it's it, amazing.
2: Amazing,
1: movie. even the special Absolutely. effects, uh, like Incredible. the T like one thousand, like the when it when it goes from like the goes through this Debars, oh, still yeah. fantastic. Like it's it blows still, my mind how
2: good it is. Um, yeah. So Skynet, you know, is a thing that's kind of like AI, and this is where a lot of science fiction has made this fear of AI and what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. But seriously, you could take all of these arguments that we're making about AI that you know it could create all kinds of you know, nasty comments, it can steal people's work, it can, you know, teach people how to do nefarious things. And you could say all of those things are 100% also true with the internet. And yeah. we put huh. guardrails in place to a degree with the internet, but at the end of the day, it's still the wild, wild west. You can go on the dark net, there are many sites out there where you can learn to do very nefarious things. And there's no way to stop it or put that genie back in the bottle, if you will, because it grew faster than you could put controls in place. And AI is the same way. We can't put this genie back in the bottle. The open source versions of AI already exist. And these regulations will do nothing but hurt the small people who are trying to get this out to the masses so that one group does not have an completely unfair advantage over another Now the internet creates a completely unfair advantage to those who do not have internet access. And yes, there are lots, hundreds of thousands of people in the U S kids who have no access to the internet to do their homework and things. They're at a complete disadvantage to kids who have access to the internet who don't have to sit there and manually flip through encyclopedias and things to get their answers. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this is something where the digital divide again comes in, but AI is going to be the same thing. If, kids don't have access to AI because it's locked behind a few corporations that want to charge monthly fees or have all these specifications of what you can do with it, but they can do whatever they want with it. Then we're creating again, more of this unfair um, platform that we're already living through, especially here in the U S.
0: Yeah. And Ryan and Michael, every time we've had a new form of communication, you know, whether it be TV or radio, some people want to ban it. You know, it progresses the the human condition and us as human beings. And people thought that when the TV TVs came out, TV will make people stupid. And when the invention of well, the radio well, <laughs> reality shows right on didn't that. help.
2: Okay. No, didn't. I kind of feel like people I mean, didn't
1: get stupider once the TV got I mean we now have, I'm on like, the we other have side. shows Maybe on Netflix. We, need to regulate this. <laughs> we have we have a show on Netflix called Is It Cake. Yeah. yeah who cares yes like, like, <laughs> like what
0: and, so um, yeah no, and but the, good point
1: fair yeah. point except for the tv Yeah. <laughs>
0: well the continue. other I mean, way is
1: still fantastic <laughs> just sometimes not so much
0: <laughs> the other invention is radio radio which would you know make people less productive at work but in reality what they would do is they'd have a full day of work go home listen to the radio in their living rooms with their family and be rejuvenated for the next day of work. You know, of course, this is the same thing with the invention of the internet. It, it, every time we have a progress in communication, there are people that freak out. It's just life.
1: (laughs) Yeah. 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 I also think it's interesting because every (laughs) single time these new technologies come out, people talk about how it's going to ruin society and, uh, reality shows aside, There are also (laughs) people who are saying that it's also going to destroy the previous technology. And radio is still a thing. Like, we still have radio. We still have TV. Really? I thought it just became Spotify. My bad. I mean, there's also, uh, uh, you know, Sirius XM and stuff. (laughs) So that's radio, technically. But, and there's also people like, I mean, obviously, live TV is not as popular as it used to be because when it was the only option, obviously, it was more important in that case. But now we have a thing where you can still watch live, like live sports is still a thing, and yeah. that people were, wor- were worried about like Netflix taking over and destroying live TV, and that didn't happen either. It just made a new medium for people to enjoy for those who prefer to use that kind of medium. And I think this is a similar situation where AI is going to be beneficial to some and others are going to completely ignore it. Yeah. And the internet is still going to continue to exist probably i mean we don't know and like the terminators reference that that ryan mentioned who knows what could happen and but i just want to clarify one thing i am welcoming our robotic overlords i mean protectors (laughs) and just so just so they see this in the future and know that i'm 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 a good one (laughs) i'm a good one now we
0: all know tv didn't make us stupid because we love star trek and Star Trek yeah. well, progresses society. That's not I, mean, I
1: mean, there was also Picard Infection. season one.
0: Yes, and the next. So. Of- <laughs> oh no. Yeah.
1: No. Well, you guys no. watched not the documentary- all of Star Trek. Is fantastic. Yeah. There's, there's, season there's- two
0: of Picard is the awesomest Picard. <laughs> yeah.
1: and if you
2: watch the documentary the you Idiocracy, read, you'll see where society is headed without AI. So, you know.
0: <laughs> season three. Yes. <laughs> the
1: documentary. Yeah, it's a documentary
2: at this point. <laughs> I mean, everything I've not in that movie,
1: you should co- definitely co- watch that movie. It is so interesting. I want to see people do like reaction videos of never having seen any idioc- Idiocracy and then watching it because when you watched it when it came out or like before <laughs> the craziness that it became, like it sort of became reality and parts of it. When I watched it, it hadn't happened yet. And I was like, oh, this is hilarious. This will never happen. And then people who watch it now seem depressed by it.
0: Oh. Yes. Because <laughs> it's,
1: it's, it's, it's interesting. documentary at this point. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah you're, you're right, Michael. Season three of, of Picard. But I wanted to say two because without two, not... You know, one and two not doing so great. Jill, Wouldn't we have moved
1: on, yeah, we, we, we moved on <laughs> please, from Star Trek. Please. We moved on from Star Trek. And we also have moved on from Idiocracy, but I'm going to pull it back to Idiocracy anyway <laughs> okay. because there was this really <laughs> interesting interview with the guy who's the director of Idiocracy, and he uh. said that he wanted to find the stupidest shoe ever he could find and that it would never work and no one would ever buy it. So he can make everyone in Idiocracy wear those shoes because he knows that it's so ridiculous that it would never catch on. <laughs> and that was the Crocs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, and gosh.
1: here we are. It's a documentary. <laughs> here we are. I'm telling you. It is definitely- Oh, my
0: gosh. I need to watch that. I haven't seen that one. Crocs aren't my favorite shoe. They're so, comfortable, but they're just ugly.
2: No offense to anyone wearing Crocs out there. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, yeah, they are enjoy, comfortable. Yeah. I do like yeah.
2: them. Enjoy, enjoy your Crocs. Uh, no
0: offense. It's <laughs> shameful, no, but enjoy your Crocs.
2: But shameful. But
0: but yeah. yeah. Kind of uh, like it's, sitting but, in the line at
2: Cinnabon. Yeah. It's, same, it's shameful, but it still tastes good. You know? uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> come back to AI, one of the points I want. Oh, to make. Oh, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> about radio to TV to internet to now AI, the new form of communication, is this new form of communication is even faster. So with each inter- iteration of a new communication form, it becomes faster. So we get our information faster and more, much more of it quicker.
1: Mm. It's also kind of weird how When people saw the internet coming out, they were afraid because it was taking forever. And now it's become instantaneous, basically. Yeah. And it's still not fast enough because people are using AI to summarize the information they're getting from the internet. Yes. (laughs) Yes. 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 Society
2: probably does need some pause and to slow down on some of this because honestly, we probably get too much information sent to us uh, all at one time. But, you know, there are people who are even going as far as saying, hey, we should bomb. Any data centers that what? are doing creating AI without following the regulations and laws that they want to put in place like that, those are real statements Scary. being made out there of how scared people are of what AI could bring. And there's some legitimacy to people's fear here. And we're not saying that there's no legitimacy to what AI is, but I am saying the genie's out of the bottle, and open source banning open source is not the solution. Yeah, right that's here. not going to solve mm-hmm. anything, and Absolutely.
1: banning AI is not going to solve anything because it's still going to exist in the countries that you can't, you know, regulate and that sort of stuff. So I, I think that it's it's definitely here to stay, whether you like it or not. And like I said earlier, uh, protectors, I, I like it. So yeah,
2: you know. <laughs> well, the other thing to mention is, you know. To, to the other side's credit, because I like to look at both sides of the argument. When we banned drugs, drugs went away, and we have no problem with drugs anymore. So, you know, when you when you outlaw yeah.
1: these things, when you make absolutely- a war on drugs, that yeah. war is successful always. Clearly,
2: yes. so if this war on AI happens, it will absolutely be as successful as the war on drugs.
1: Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. That's a pretty pretty fair statement. Probably. Yes. Like. I, based on this conversation, I am now curious if we can take the AI and create a ra- reality show, uh, you could probably sell it to someone. And like,
2: <laughs> yeah, I think well, that's how they come up with reality <laughs> show ideas already. If you've seen
1: these reality <laughs> shows, like,
0: <laughs> well, I was, was more like,
1: I was hoping it was more like sticky notes <laughs> and they just have like topics and adjectives and throw darts at the wall. <laughs>
0: Well, in fact, in, right now, that's why we have a writers and actors strike at the moment, because people are scared of of the A.I. taking over their jobs. <laughs> you know I, I understand. <laughs> like, I,
1: wish, I was looking into this whole writer, the writer strike, and I think it's very fair that they want to get the just payments for yeah, the work that they're the giving and not be because yeah. they're they basically are just kind of being ignored by all these these companies and, and, and the studios is not shocking that they're trying to take as much money as they can it's not yeah. it's not surprising what I think is interesting is that every time the writer strike stuff happens we get worse and worse content like if you go back before like the writer strike of like 15 20 years ago there we didn't have reality shows everywhere. <laughs> And now we do. And and it's basically, it was like, we need to help the writers get the payment so that they can start making stuff good again and stop letting them make these yeah. garbage.
2: Yeah, well, that's interesting because a lot of the reality shows I yeah. heard, I don't know if this is true, I've not researched it, but I heard a lot of the reality shows were pumped up because of the writer's strike and yeah, that
1: they were creating reality shows yeah, because you don't need a it's easy to do because you just get some person who, who's willing yeah. to just put themselves on the really TV for no reason. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's... Well, Well, anyway, so (laughs) we've, we've talked enough about TV and stuff (laughs) (laughs) and, and and we've also talked about AI probably enough. So I think this, this is a very interesting topic and you've got our opinion and we want to get your opinion. So go to the forum and tell us what you think about AI and should it be controlled? Can it be controlled? All that sort of stuff. We'll have link in the show notes if you would like to check out and give your comments.
2: Just as a footnote, this topic really made Jill mad to the point, <laughs> And I hate to bring this up, Jill, because I yeah. want everyone to always think of you as this sweet, beautiful person yeah. that you truly are. But Aww. I want to let people know that there was a curse word in our notes this week. <laughs> yeah, and, no,
1: and technically, so- it was a censored curse word. It was but- a
2: censored curse word, but I could see through what she meant to say here, and it was it was bad word. Yeah, Jill. yeah. I saw I and saw
1: this, and I thought. Did Jill write this or did Ryan write this? These people (laughs) really messed up
2: when they made this idea of banning open source to the point where Jill cursed censored in our notes. Yeah, Just wanted to let you all know that.
0: And and part of that was because one of the articles we read stated, and Ryan said it earlier, but the article actually states, we may have to bomb rogue data centers to save humanity. What the freaking...
2: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. And you know, don't these people know that open source will be the rogue code that saves humanity in the end from the T1s or the T2s or even from the matrix matrix itself? Follow the white rabbit.
2: That's it. That's it. Now that's how you end that segment. Y'all should be ashamed of yourselves. <laughs> making Jill
1: almost curse. <laughs> In the news this week, we're going to talk about Zorin OS. Zorin OS, for those who are unfamiliar, is an Ubuntu-based Linux distro that's focused on schools, businesses, and offers a really interesting thing like the Zorin grid, which easily makes it possible to manage your fleet of PCs, provided you're like an institution like a business or schools. But it's also very Very good looking and it has a massively customized version of Gnome. You could look at this and have no idea it's based on Gnome because it looks nothing like it. Mm -hmm. And it also is a very clean experience because people who are coming from Windows can look at it and go, oh, that's familiar to me. And there's also a lot of custom tools and stuff they've made and they also have an, like a XFCE light version Don't and they say just it
2: so passively like they also have this
1: XFCE light version. <laughs> they also have an XFCE like version that. in that, your okay face. i will say that XFCE is not necessarily my favorite DE however <laughs> zorin does make XFCE look it's fantastic it's nice. good yeah. yeah yeah it's it's nice uh, but also they just released a new version with Zorin OS 16.3 and it includes the most asked for feature that they've had from their community, which is the ability to upgrade between different versions without reinstalling. So this was interesting news
2: to me because I guess in one way I'm calling myself out and that I don't stick with the distro long enough to know that they didn't have a reinstallation option there for Zorn OS. Like I didn't know that was a thing and I kind of want to know like why did it take so long for this cuz this just this is just something in like you should have in an operating system what operating system doesn't have an ability to upgrade I mean, i'm glad they have it don't get me wrong this is not me knocking but i was just surprised like an os in 2023 2022 2021 1998 would have the ability to <laughs> automatically upgrade itself <laughs> did not to happen. the latest version you know
0: yeah, there, yeah. Are, there are several out there, Elementary being one and, and Linux Mint. Also. Oh,
1: sure. Both of you just knew that, but I didn't. Whatever. So it's okay. So here's there, there's a little more to it than just having upgrades <laughs> because it's not necessarily because the upgrades themselves are not easy to do or they take forever or anything like that. The, the real reason is because most of the distributions that are based on Ubuntu are not following the b- Ubuntu cadence of releasing. They're based on Ubuntu LTS. And Ubuntu LTS is a massive jump from two, uh, two year to two years. So if you look at it's a different version of GNOME, it's a different version of the underlying system of like the like huge changes to system D's, huge changes to the display servers, huge changes to all sorts of stuff. Like between two years to two years, that's a massive change. So the upgrade mechanism is a lot more difficult. So it's not exactly the same thing as an, it doesn't have updates. It does the same way that Linux Mint has updates. You, it, The point releases are easily updatable because they're not really changing the core base. And because Zorin changes so much of the DE and so much of the experience, mm. it kind of makes sense that from one base system to another base system, it's pretty difficult to do that. So they have been working on it for about a year of trying to make sure that the upgrade... And all the configurations and all the different iterations that people could have of their system would be able to cleanly update without having to go through massive, you know, uh, incurses, command line tools and all that sort of stuff. And like Linux Mint recently has a better version of upgrading between versions or like major versions. But it's still not, it still requires you to install a package called min install, and then after you do the upgrades, you to uninstall that package. And it's kind of wonky.
2: As an Arch user, none of this computes. I have it's like you're speaking <laughs> another language. I have no idea what you're well, talking that's, about. Well, that's because I just you, run you, the update command the benefit, and I'm done.
1: You get the benefit of all the updates, and when those updates break your system, you get to leave to a different district. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? I am in an immutable OS. Yes. <laughs> oh well, that Okay, that's yeah. that's fair. Me
2: too. You're I'm on using BlendOS still. Now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're still on BlendOS, by the way, for those that said I would be switching the Distro a week later. You're wrong. Send me my $50. Thank you very I, much. I am also still on
1: BlendOS, so that's that's not surprising. I'm still Give me on Michael's $50. Thank you very much. <laughs> but anyway, so I think it's interesting that Zoran is doing this because it yeah. does seem like a massive undertaking. And it uh, at, at first mm-hmm. when you said why they really have an upgrade it should be something that should already exist right i completely understand that perspective because i agree this should be something that would be as soon as possible because people having to reinstall is wonky and you could still save your data even with a fresh install it's just a lot more to do and yeah. people who are beginners wouldn't necessarily know how exactly. to do that so i get why that's a problem But at the same time, I also understand why it took them so long because of how complicated it is to do. And it even takes Ubuntu uh, months to do it because they're doing the LTS to LTS themselves, but they wait for at least two to three months sometimes between the full upgrade because they have to do all this testing and do all these changes and all that sort of stuff. So for the team of Zorinos, which is pretty small, I'm not sure exactly how many, but it's not a ton of people. I understand why that would be a big undertaking. And I think it's great that they have added it, but I also wanted to just clarify that if you, it's it's also every two years. So yeah. if you have Zorin OS, and the next version will probably have a new update from like the seven, 16.3 to 17, that's mm-hmm. probably where it's most important yeah. because people who have already are on 16 are really just doing the point releases anyway right now. So they're not really gonna be affected by it that much. But I think it's still worth noting that I feel like it should be something that every distribution considers. And maybe they could talk to the Zoran people to see how they did it. And like well, elementary open-source. OS, for example, doesn't yeah. have an upgraded system what? right now. Are you kidding yeah. me? It doesn't. I didn't know Linux, that. Linux Mint has one, but it's it's a little wonky and it needs Ugh. to be I didn't realize it needs this to be was polished. this
2: complicated. I figured yeah. you
1: just replaced... System INI I file was system I, and I file and then you're no. the new one you and just you're good. T- you just drop yeah. and play that, that's yeah. that's why immutable systems aren't necessary, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why they're not necessary. Well, so That's Zorn why OS.
0: they're long-term support. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Zorn OS is amazing. Uh, I'm so happy they have that here. Yeah. So I honestly didn't know that, that was even a thing, but I'm very happy they have it. And they've also done other improvements. Like they have their Zorn Connect, which runs commands. Uh, on your computer, like they now have a power menu for Android 11 plus, so you can run commands from your phone to your computer, which is really cool. More playback controls when Spotify is playing on your computer, and automatically reconnect to trusted networks in the background if you're on Android 10 plus
1: with their very cool. And also for those who are curious, what Zoran Connect is, it is KD Connect, and yes. or,
0: or G Connect. He
1: preemptively, <laughs> I you preemptively. <laughs> cut me off so I didn't promote something about KDE. <laughs> but they yes, add their own features in there, you know? They add some well, additional Well, it's also things. open source so people can yeah. ju- because I, I, it I might be in cool. KDE Connect as well. I I don't know, but yeah. it's cool that they're doing it and also I get why they're having it built in because the KDE Connect is fantastic it's and wonderful. super easy to use <laughs> if you use KDE Plasma. To get it installed like last time we talked about OS, and I mentioned how it I couldn't get it installed Once I figured it out, which in the tip of the week, I figured it out. Yes, you did. (laughs) And then I tested it. And then after we got off the recording, I rebooted to see if it worked. It worked just fine. It was no big deal. So it, it was just a basic install of package and it's done. That's not how it works in GNOME. So that Zorin deciding to do their own fork to make it built in and people could just use it, I think is a great idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
2: absolutely, and uh, the other thing that was really interesting when I was reading the release notes on the latest Zorin, which had me really thinking like, hey, I want to try Zorin again, you know. But I'm on BlendOS right now, but you know, I was thinking about it. I was just saying, Mm I'm thinking about it. Was that their
1: partnership? Distro hopper Titus,
2: yeah, with laptop with Linux, which I didn't know. They they weren't on my radar for whatever reason that Laptop with Linux was a thing. And so this is a cool company and I wanted to let people know about them out there. Laptop with Linux is a place to get Clevo laptops or mini computers that have Linux pre-installed in them. So you can get Zorn OS as an example pre-installed on one of these. And their prices are really, really reasonable for these. They're starting at just $500. They go all the way up to $1,600 if you want all the bells and whistles and all that stuff. But if you're in the market for a laptop and you want... Laptop with Linux in there. Check out Laptop with Linux. I mean, it's a pretty good name there, I guess, with that.
1: Uh, I wonder what they said. Yeah. 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 That's awesome.
0: You don't have to wonder
1: anymore, Michael. It's Laptop Thanks. with Linux. <laughs> I appreciate yeah. you that making that clear for me. Yeah, Absolutely.
0: Aww. Well, I was actually really, really happy about the Zorn um, OS Upgrader because now I can upgrade from Zorn OS 15 Light with the XS- XFCE des- desktop to 16.3 on, one- on my old iMac easily. I have Zorn OS on several of my older iMacs, Intel based, mm-hmm. and you know I've been delaying doing the upgrades because I need to, to nuke and pave. <laughs> so-
2: See, yeah. Ryan,
1: it's not just me who doesn't update. <laughs> Well, let's let's not mix those two up, okay? Let's let's not I mean, I mean it's one the of the her fact.
2: like yeah. hundreds of yeah. computers, yeah, <laughs> thousands that Jill has. You know, it takes time for Jill like an LTS release to get around it to does, all the computers actually. to update them all. all right, yeah,
1: you know. just just physically the amount of time it takes to boot them all is a <laughs> Yeah is understandably why it takes a while. But uh, I just want to point out, for those who are curious, Laptop with Linux has Laptops with Linux, and Mm, they are a European company for those who are wanting to get Mm, System76 and can't you can check out this one because they are based in the EU. Yeah, because System76
2: uses Clevo's as well. They're working on their own custom laptop, but right yeah. now it's Clevo's, custom Clevo's.
1: So. Mm-hmm. And they're Pretty they're cool. a US company. I think that's because of the whole customs thing. And that's why people have wanted to get one, but they couldn't. And this one is, if you're in Europe, that's why I was mentioning it, because it might be easier to get. And what do they sell again? Oh, I think they have, uh, so they have some products that
2: are like portable computers with wow. Linux on Are we already there Did I developed this portable computer thing. Amazing, portable computer (laughs) that you could personally use. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) So, Jill, take us into gaming here. What? What do you got for us?
0: Ryan likes to assign me game genres to review that I'm really not a huge fan of, like horror games. What? It seems Ryan has he has done that multiple times, (laughs) times, many times. It seems Ryan has decided to try and scare me again with this game called Terminal Eighty One. As if our main topic of should open source be illegal isn't bad enough and actually caused me heart palpitations. <laughs> so, so, I'm not, uh, I shouldn't be got, laughing because it, it actually did. Yeah,
2: you that's, got real. That's, heart not a, palpitations that's not a joke. That's a serious yeah. thing. Yeah. Because yeah. you were frustrated with the make Linux or open source illegal. Yeah. And then I didn't know that, though, in fairness to me, no, that, that I would give you heart palpitations. <laughs> but I did know you don't like horror games. Um, And I included it anyways. And if you're mad about that, email Michael at... Michael at TuxDigital.com <laughs> and tell him how upset you are with
1: the fact he picked this game because I, I, for
2: one, too, am very upset, Jill, that he did that. Continue. So, for those who are
1: curious if I did, in fact, pick that game, no. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan picks the games and that's yep. how it always has been and sometimes I'll pick a game and suggest it and he will ignore it for a while True. until I picked Brotato. <laughs> yeah. And we did cover Bro-tato. that. <laughs> <laughs> did cover
0: yes. that. that. That's a I great... Oh, by the potato. way, Brotato's in the top 10 on the Steam Deck. <laughs> of course it is. We <laughs> nice. mentioned yeah. it. Yeah, we mentioned Whoa. it so that's automatically yes. what's gonna happen <laughs> <laughs> so the the first person game terminal 81 it, no you don't play this game in the terminal and <laughs> oh, <darn it. laughs> despite what that, would be, scary. Said, <laughs> that would be terminal 81 scary. is it is it actually describes itself on steam Thanks to the financial crisis of 2008, Lorena migrated to Terminal 81 to work. But what seemed like a simple Latin American neighborhood was a dangerous region dominated by a mysterious criminal organization.
2: Ooh. Ooh. What I like about this description is you could say 2008, 2012, yeah. 2016, 2020, now, 2022, last 2023, week. Yes. financial Next week. crisis.
0: <laughs> yes. Lorena
2: had to escape to Terminal 81. Got it. Okay, <laughs> continue.
0: So the opening cinematic actually is very much like a visual novel, which tells a good story and it's very atmospheric. It has really good sound effects and nice music, creepy music that draws you in. Um, it's... it's The cinematic starts with Lorena on a shaky bus at night on her cell phone with her mom, who is worried about her living and working in a very dangerous area of town. But Mm -hmm. she needs the money, so takes the risk. And the opening gameplay is Lorena in her new dreary and lonely apartment where she talks to the owner of the apartment and prepares to sleep because her new job at the supermarket starts in the morning. But who could sleep with the constant sounds of police sirens and people screaming? (laughs) So, what happens next?
1: (laughs) Hey, Ryan, this seems like a fantastic pick for the show. Yeah.
2: Yes? Well, I want to tell you why I picked it. I would never (laughs) pick a game I knew, Jill, that you didn't like, first of all. I would never do that. So, the reason I picked this game, besides purposely picking a game I knew you wouldn't like, is because (laughs) it describes it itself as a job simulator. And <laughs> yeah, what? it does. Yeah. yeah. And there's an entire class of games that are there to just simulate jobs. And it made me ask the question and why I wanted to put it in the show to ask this question of why does this game genre exist? Why would we want to simulate the torture that <laughs> is having a job?
1: Also, I saw this one. I saw I saw one game that was a simulator that was interesting, and it was the. The PC maker. Oh, simulator. yeah, that's a good and one. And people really like that one. I was like, okay, that's interesting. I'm not gonna get that. But then I saw another one that was mowing grass simulator.
0: Oh
2: yes. <laughs>
0: like, that what? was around. Imagine what?
1: if you just did this
2: stuff in real life and then you would get this money as compensation and It would be Uh, just as satisfying in my mind as the job simulator. And they got like chef simulator. I'm like, go downstairs, pull a knife out of your drawer, cut cut some vegetables up, up, throw them in a pot. Dice some onions. uh, And then you get to eat it afterwards. It's not just the video game. Uh, Crazy.
0: The simulators have taken off since VR too. (laughs) Or
1: like (laughs) the the pressure washing car simulator. Just go wash your car. (laughs) Can they create a
2: podcast host simulator and people could pretend to be us? yeah
1: <laughs> or we could just use it to automatically create it with the AI and so, there yeah you go. yeah
0: so um, with the game uh, uh terminal 81 you know I probably was probably is that right <laughs> I was I was actually happy there's a the, YouTube
1: simulator by the way. there's a YouTube oh, simulator and
0: we talked about that one too <laughs> yeah. about a year yeah. ago
1: yeah so, I this, forgot we talked about it because yeah. it's so ridiculous
0: <laughs> yes. It was on sale the other day. So, so I was actually.
1: You know that?
0: <laughs> I looked recently. I, I had bought it, you know, when it was full price, but now it's on sale. So I was actually happy that the visual no- novel aspect in the opening cinematic continues through the rest of the game. And you can choose your next move with prompts like a text adventure.
2: Hold on, Jill. Hold on. <laughs> I don't mean to bring this back up, but you bought YouTube Simulator and you're <laughs> literally a YouTuber. Like, Yeah. <laughs> Why? Yeah. I just, the fact that you bought this game is freaking well, blowing my mind and is way more important to talk about than this game at this uh-oh. point.
1: Like so sometimes well, Ryan gives games to Jill that are <laughs> ridiculous and she doesn't buy them and she doesn't play them because they are wi- ri- ri- and also just so you know jill you don't have to play horror games that he gives you a horror game you can just say hey guess what ryan i didn't play this we're gonna talk about it anyway yeah. that, that's fine okay. don't, but, don't
2: take me off the subject
1: michael here but i also do want to i'm very curious of all the games that you didn't buy why did you buy this one? you
2: are a youtube simulator like you are a youtube creator why yeah. would you Why did you buy the game, Joe?
0: I guess because I, you know, because I usually buy the games that we're going to talk about on the show. (laughs) All right. And that one was very well done and it had really good reviews.
2: Did you
1: enjoy doing what you already do in real life?
0: It was really strange. (laughs) Yeah, it was like a mirror. (laughs) Hey,
1: hey Ryan, I haven't. So... We now know that there's a, a horror genre that she does not like. Yes, and we also <laughs> know job simulators that she does like. So the next one needs to be some ridiculous job simulator. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we have—a ridiculous horror. I job mean, simulator. this is a, this yeah. is like a pretend job simulator. Yeah, like this, okay. is, it like it's starts as that, and then it simulator. becomes like a okay. well, a terrible life simulator. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> <fair enough. laughs> I, said, like, I don't, I don't but know Jill, why.
2: Joe really likes this yeah. game, and you're, you're interrupting <laughs> her. You know, Michael. I'm interrupting. You're the one who. Well, listen. That question had to be asked, right? Yeah. Like,
1: okay, so fair that's enough. Okay. Let's get back to this uh, horror game that <laughs> everyone is so enticed to know.
0: Okay, so with Terminal Eighty One, honestly, I actually really like this game because it has a good story really? and it is very no atmospheric, one. despite it being in the horror genre. She didn't say that. I I, I don't like before. the gore in it. Uh, as you progress through the story, it's it a little more yeah. gory. But I, I love the attention to de- detail and the atmosphere. They, they nailed it with this one. It's a simple very game, cool. but they did a very good job. And it makes me curious to see what honestly happens next. So I'm going to continue to play it. And You're welcome, Jill. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a good, good wasn't the run. outcome
2: I was going for. I was going for the more Zeb being mad and saying next, but <laughs> hey, every <laughs> once in a while you fall into one of these. Yes. Yeah. All right. So cool. you
0: know, I I actually agreed one of, with one of the v- reviewers of the game that stated this game was amazing. I usually hate playing horror games, but this one made me less iffy about them. Ten of ten. Recommend. Heart.
1: <laughs> nice. <thing. laughs>
0: So yeah, so go grab terminal 81 for $4.99 on Steam.
1: Not a bad price. Yeah. There you go. So you can
2: also grab this software spotlight that we have called Factia. Oh, what a transition.
0: Yeah. Yes. So
2: good. So what was it called? Is Fact- a Fact- really cool Yeah. How do you spell that? It's uh, <laughs> F-A-C-T-E-U-R. and I have oh, no idea of factor.
1: It's a factor here. <laughs>
2: So this here lets you send bulk emails out using templates that you create. Now, I know we all generally hate these kind of bulk emails that come in and you just delete them because they're unsolicited. However, I envision... This is a use case where you're doing newsletters or Mm -hmm. Tux Digital even where we acquired emails at the scale event. People gave us their emails. We didn't go steal it through telemetry or anything. They gave us their emails and they want some updates, want us to know different shows we may have going on. And so we could use something like Fechtier to send all of them an email to say, hey, here's some cool things going on you want to check out. You may be able to use it for your clients as well in the business that you're in, as long as you've asked them for permission. Because getting unsolicited emails, it's very rude and nobody likes it. So don't do that. But factia allows those who have gotten permission to bulk email. Very cool.
1: And also, when you do send that message, you need to put in the bottom that says sent by Fatia and spell it f- spell it phonetically based on our pronunciation. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> So the tip of the week this week is something you should not do. And for some reason, it's the tip. Ryan, why is this the tip of the week? For those who don't know, that's most of the time. Ryan comes up with these tips for the show. I sometimes have them, but but most of the time it's Ryan. 99.9%. 92.6%. 9998 (laughs) 96.4%. 96.4%. <laughs> so anyway, so Ryan comes up with this, and this time I basically wanted to just ask you on the show, uh-huh. why is this a tip? Because he's basically <laughs> saying that you shouldn't do it, first of all, and that it's instead of using a password to get into your mm-hmm. desktop to use a PIN instead with this. Well, uh, no, I'm not saying do that. I'm literally, I started
2: out the tip and trick with literally, please do not follow this tip and trick. Because well, that doesn't help me make fun of you to be <laughs> upfront about I have about. a trigger over this. This is like a trigger thing for me. It, it sets me off. So there's this thing in Windows, okay, where if you've not used Windows lately, there's this thing in Windows, and it's in corporations, too, where they allow people in corporations where you're trying to secure your information. You really want to keep your information secure, to utilize these PINs. Probably banks allow their employees to use this PIN system. Mm -hmm. And the idea behind Mm -hmm. it is you can quickly get into your system by just using numbers like 121212 or 141414 or just 11111 if you want to quickly get into your computer because passwords are so inconvenient and 11111 is so easy to remember. And so this article came out that I saw that was like, hey, do you want to use the PIN number system for Linux? Here's how you do it. And my mind exploded. Uh, like Jill, I started to uh, feel some heart palpitations and I got angry. I started turning a little red because I'm like, why? Why would we want users to utilize this password tool, the PIN system, which is <laughs> well- entirely inferior to to get into their systems.
1: For those who are curious, we'll we'll have a link for the actual information. We're not gonna tell you here because it's not worth doing. But the idea is that the PIN system does not have root privileges. So you would be able to get in the machine, but you wouldn't be able to alter anything in the machine. So that's in one way is kind of good, but the other way is that they'd still be able to steal every part of your data. You all know, your
2: files, like, all yeah. your emails, it's everything not, yeah. is
1: right there. Like root doesn't require, is, yeah. it's the only thing to change the system. Like To actually get your data is what they want in the first place. So it's not, it's not a great idea. But it's also kind of funny because in my, when I first, when you first mentioned that we were going to talk about this, I was thinking, what is even the point? Because you can just make a password. This one, 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 one. You could make your system password a terrible password. And then I was like, okay, so it's, it's root, but not really root. Like, okay, I get it. That That's kind of better. But then it's also complicated to set up. So it's like, why would anyone ever do? Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's, it's just funny to me. And also I think that we should probably just kind of move on and not talk about this particular thing anymore. We'll, we'll just put a pin in it for here. And
2: uh-huh. then... <laughs> uh-huh. I see what you did there. That was pretty good. So yes, if you're uh, yeah. using the pin... In Windows, stop. It's completely insecure. If you want to use the PIN in Linux, don't, because it's completely insecure. And that's really the tip and trick of this week is don't use PINs as your password.
1: Don't use PINs for anything, yeah. unless it's your something ATM you also machine. physically have to have, like the right. ATM card. Exactly. It's kind have of
2: a 2FA have. there. Then, yeah, in a way. two-factor yeah. authentication. If you had to do your password and a PIN, that would be okay, but you know, how people are. Within. Or if you had
1: to have like a USB stick that you did pull in to plug in before yeah, you be could do fine. the pin. Yeah. 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 It'd be okay. Mm-hmm. But well,
2: in, in a way, it. it'd be
1: okay. That's it. That's the end of our show. So a big, Whoa, thank you. that's to not each. the end of our show. Is it? We have so much content that we could give you, but you're going to have to come back next week.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that's the end of the show. A big thank you to each
2: and every one of you for supporting us by watching or listening to designation Linux, however you do it long as you're not using a pen we love your faces and if you want to watch this show live you become a patron of destination Linux. go to tuxdigital.com slash discord as well to come and hang out with us and patrons they even got a special room in that discord thing there that you can hang out in and stuff so all kinds of awesome
1: perks for patrons to check yeah tuxdigital.com membership to become a patron you get access to all of that and we have two new benefits as well. If you're a patron, you can send us comments that are already in the community feedback, but we're also gonna make it possible for patrons to be bumped up to the tippity-tippity-top of the emails the tippity, tippity, the tippity tippity top. The <laughs> tippity-tippity-top of the emails on the show. So you get that. Plus, we're also working on ad-free versions of the show. So you get all of this, including the ad-free and the tippity-tippity-top of the feedback. What does that
2: mean? That means if I go to the comment section, I have something I really want to tell Michael because i want going to yell at him for his comments on how he loves telemetry. And I go there and I can select that I'm a patron. And then once that's verified, that email is the most likely to be next read on the next show. And we can make fun of Michael immediately. That's I, that- an that perk. is
1: that is a scenario that could happen, but I would prefer it to not be that particular. Well, don't worry, they thing. always blame me for everything you say. That anyway, is true. So, so in that yeah. case, feel free to blame Ryan for everything that I say if you don't agree with it. So tuxdigital. dot com slash membership to blame Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> and also, just to be clear, uh, Ryan said that thing earlier about even if, if if you use pins, we we still like you if you use pins. Just stop using pins. <laughs>
2: We'll like you once you stop using pins, to
1: be clear. Okay, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> we have some uh, other stuff that we can you can check out to support the show, like the uh, swag that we have, like I'm wearing this Linux is Everywhere t-shirt. Jill's wearing some stuff. She also has uh, mugs and coasters, all sorts of stuff we have. TuxDigital.com slash store where you can get some hoodies, mugs, hats, stickers, and so much more at TuxDigital.com slash store.
0: And make sure to check out all our wonderful shows here on Text Digital. We have The Pseudo Show, This Week in Linux, The DOS Geek Channel, Linux Out Loud, Hardware Addicts, Linux Saloon, and our newest show, Fit and Fueled. Everyone head to textdigital.com and subscribe to all these awesome shows. And don't forget to leave a rating on your favorite app so others can discover the power of open source and keep those penguins marching in the full Monty of Linux and open source awesome sauce. Everybody have an awesome week. And remember that the journey itself is just as important as the destination.
2: Thanks, everyone.
1: See you next week.
0: Love you all.
2: Most of you. I'm not using pins.